Good Wednesday morning, guys. I'm Jerry Miller, and welcome to Real Talk with Keith Smith. Thank you kindly for joining us. Great to connect with you through the I Love Seville Network on a show today presented by Scott Morris and Ross Mortgage. Thanks, Scott Morris and Ross Mortgage. When buying or selling your house, when refinancing your house, when just getting consultation when it comes to real estate financing, Scott Morris and Ross Mortgage. Judah Wickhauer, the director of the program, always ready with a quick quip, a dry what, joke or two? Um, a key contributor to this program. Um, Keith Smith, the star of the show. The show is called Real Talk with Keith Smith. And I work for a living. <laughs> and he works for a living. He's a realtor. So if you need some help selling some real estate, think about Keith Smith as well. Gentlemen, it's a, uh, it's a Wednesday when temperatures hit 80 degrees. Not too bad for August, huh? Not too bad for April. Um, <laughs> We've had some volatility when it comes to temperatures, and we've certainly had a little bit of volatility when it comes to real estate inventory. Um, and I think you're going to shine a spotlight on that today. First, good uh, Wednesday morning, fellas. Good morning. Yeah. Now, um, gosh, I don't know. Has has inventory been uh, volatile? I feel like it's just been it's been so super tight, super stagnant. Uh, at least you know on the number of listings, uh, that's created a. Definitely some challenges for buyers. Uh, talked to uh, a number of agents yesterday in different areas, and everybody's still kind of seeing and facing the same thing as far as getting under contract with the number of other offers they're up against. And what we're seeing go over um, had one very specific scenario where literally uh, after receiving offers and escalations, etc., cetera, uh, an agent come Monday morning said, well, that was the old price. This is the new price. So it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, but uh, what we've seen is, you know, true to what we saw last year and for those who are going through it the key is to keep going through it um, and uh, work with your team be very targeted in what you're doing um, and uh, and then look at all your options I've got more I'm doing more two or three K's now uh, than we were at any time last year um, and that's really a testament to people looking to say all right look this isn't the perfect property but i can make it closer to the perfect property um and then i'll have an advanced amount of equity after these repairs are done also so we've done this a couple of few times but just give a high level 203k for those that may not have heard it uh for the first time so you've got two options there's a a limited option to where um if we stay below thirty-five thousand dollars in fees and repairs uh there's no hud consultant needed uh Typically, that's going to be, you know, that's a limited amount of money as well to spend. So what you're going to get done could maybe be replacing carpets with some LVT, LVP, um, could be uh, doing some painting, some some maybe a few windows, some you know, depending on what you're looking to do that's going to get the house uh closer to where you want it to be uh, without an extensive amount of work. And then there's a full 203K where we can go through and do, an, you know, we could go spend, you know, $200,000 uh, depending on the purchase price and in improving the property. Uh, we've got six months to complete the work that can be extended. There's going to be a HUD consultant and a contractor involved in that. And we will, you know, 
go through all the the options and you know education when we go through something like that much in a more a more thorough process but that's kind of a brief overview of what it looks I like. I don't think I've ever asked you this question. How does the appraisal process works on, work on that? So it's subject to, the appraiser comes through and gives an as-is value, and that as-is value is what the seller is going to be paid on the initial contract, and then there's the subject to, that subject to these repairs being completed, what the property is going to be worth after the fact. Okay, I'd say let's park that as the first sizzle reel right there. We should, uh, and Keith, I know you want to jump in here. No, no. Folks talk in market conditions. Where are we at right now market-wise? Well, I'll tell you. It's a very moving market in real time here. Yeah, so literally from Monday when we did the show on Monday, as everybody who watches the show, I constantly look at the seven-day back scenario. Oh, you know, how many's coming on, how many's going off. Just between Monday and today, it dropped from – 86 that were on the came on the market on Monday. Now we're down at 67 as we sit here today. That's a 25 percent. If I did my math right, that's a 25 percent drop in inventory. So to the volatility of the inventory, Scott was right for January, February, and much of March. It was March. It was kind of consistent. The number of units coming on. Then we shot up the last couple of weeks to some 90s and some 100 units on mark. Now we're back down to the 60s, which was more January and February. So you're starting to see this up up and down, I think, on, on, on units coming on. Could be spring break, right? Most schools on spring break right now. Right. So folks folks probably don't you know are not ready to go ahead and, and put their homes on the market so we'll see what this time next week looks like i think we might get a bit of a, a jump a jump on that but um you know i always ask scott this question on our wednesday shows um so how's your how's your applic? i know you know contact the contract check your phone contract to uh close is a little difficult right now but but how many how many people are making applications now are they up down so i like to call it yeah uh, contact to contract so that period of time from the time that they get in touch with me get pre-approved and then actually get under contract there's a there's a delay there uh contract to close we're that's a time that we're trying to step up because we want to make you more, as competitive as possible and what i mean by that is if speed is a necessity for the seller you know we 14 21 days we're gonna we're gonna get you closed whoa whoa, whoa, whoa. stop did you just say 14 to 20 days mm-hmm. wow. Absolutely. so so that's a big jump because you used to like 30. that's impressive 30 days is is kind of that's everybody has enough time and everything's moving 20 14 21 days is we've done all of the work on the front end and we're gonna get title and appraisal turned around and we're gonna close three days after that wow that, that's that's pretty short turnaround time. Fourteen. I gotta write that down because I was asked that question yesterday. What the typical close time is with you guys? Do so. I want to do every single loan that way? <laughs> okay. No. But can we get it done? Got it. Yes. Got it. So maybe we'll just stick with thirty. Yes. How does that I, I like thirty. I like thirty. Got and then it. Got if it. We, got and, it. and if we need to do it to win, let's go get it. Okay. Because you got me all excited. So I mean, you know, I'll stress everybody out of my team. They'll they'll love that. Is that a do it to win? Are we in a do it to win uh, market right now? We're in a do it to win market right now. Okay. Put that in perspective. Uh, Give us uh, a case, no names, a do-it-to-win case where you saw, like, good God, this is quick, this is aggressive. I'm, I, this caught me off guard. So, well, I, I mean, I'll say, you know, there was, uh, aside from the escalations, with what I was talking about uh, first on the show, you know, that was a 
$375,000 property that most people had, I believe, escalated up to four hundred. to then the, the agent's way of addressing that was just saying that four hundred is the new price. Where do you guys want to go from here? Um, there's another property that was three sixty five that had something like forty offers on it that went well above uh, you know four fifteen I believe if I had to guess. Um, so do it to win is going to be a combination of what you put in place as far as any inspections that you want to waive or remove. How fast can your lender get it closed if you're not cash? And uh, if there's an appraisal situation, uh, are you paying a gap, and how much of that gap are you paying? Great. Great stuff right there, Judah. Let's mark that timestamp. Um, here's one from Jonathan. Are either Keith or Scott having deal flow impacted by availability of inspectors or appraisers right now? Oh, wow. Great question. Uh, availability of inspectors and I, I feel like I've seen more appraisers going, hey, uh, is there anything, you know, can you, can you make sure that we're included in your process and, and add us to it? I've seen more people with the limited amount of inventory uh, trying to be busier. So now, for inspectors, you know, as these things are getting waived, this I don't think this is a problem for them. They're doing more of these walk and talks, and uh, uh, appraisers are probably doing more desktops and and different like not of the norm activities for them. Uh, but as far as their availability, that's what allows me to turn around things in 14 days. Is that that is not a problem, Keith? For you. So, you know, the appraiser side of the house, we generally do not have a direct contact with that. That is usually on, on Scott's, Scott's end, that unless there's a, a, we need to get involved to help with appraised value and so forth and so on, because Scott can't do that. But I will tell you, um, on the home inspector side of the house, that just went through the roof. Uh, we put a, a cash contract uh, deal under contract yesterday. Um, out in Earliesville on Sunday, our go-to inspector, I had a conversation and said, look, buyers flying in from out of state. What do you have available the week of the 10th? I'm wide open. Contract happened yesterday. Emily reached out to him, booked. Mm. So it went from, you know, because I couldn't pick a date, right, because we didn't know we were going to get ratified sure. on it. And I wasn't going to do that to the home inspector. But that's an indication of what is happening, I think, in the last couple of weeks. And on Friday, we, we teased a little bit on Monday. On Friday, we're going to have a little bit more numbers for it. I think quarter over quarter, you're going to see certain jurisdictions not increasing in value and other jurisdictions going up considerably. So we'll take a deeper dive into that on 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 um, Friday, I've been doing a lot of late night number crunching for it. Um, I will just tease a little bit on that. When we were talking of the end of last year, the beginning of this year, micro markets matter. Yeah. These numbers are going to prove that. Thoughts on that, Scott? Um, sorry, I had something going on. It's okay. Um, I missed a little bit of that. I don't we have, have, uh, he's used to working with ADD. We have certain <laughs> markets. Keith highlighted this Micro on markets matter? Yeah, there you go. Certain markets' values are dropping. So are you seeing let, – let me try it a different way. Are you <coughs> seeing in your world – I cannot say that I'm seeing that. Yeah, so, so that's why these numbers are, are, are concerning me because when you look at when, NAR, when CAR puts out its quarterly report, I think it's going to be shocking to people, but – I think there's a because that's going to make a local headline. 
It's going to make and it's going to make a local headline, which is different than a national headline. So then, and so, the local and headline to is going to have it. it's going to make a wave. And I'm so, trying to stay in front. So of it. educate me. I appreciate that. Educate me. Educate me. Um, the layman, uh, where it's is this? Possible. Where is this? No, it's not. That's the best part of that's a lifelong sorry, problem. Was, that was one jarhead. What? Uh, where is the? Where, where is this softening happening? So it's so that's the point. I don't want to even use that word softening. So I think what's happening here, when you dig into deep into the numbers, which is what I'm doing for everybody. I and think we can ask Quentin Beckham and Neil Williamson, both watching right now. Yeah. Um, and we got folks from Long and Foster on the show and Nest as well. And Quentin doesn't know this, but he might get a phone call to join us on Friday because okay. I love his read on that. QB, on, can't wait. On, on this. He doesn't know about it yet. Okay. Well, I think he knows now. <laughs> he knows now. Yeah. But I think what happened is there was a bit of a hangover. From the from November December that carried forward to January and February because when you look at March's numbers, there's a huge jump in valuation in March. It's also, I think, a matter of volume. When you start taking a look at some of these um, jurisdictions, like Charlottesville, for for instance, is over forty percent down in volume. That skews the numbers, right? So if there's less, it makes the numbers look a little bit different. But we're going to take a deeper dive into that. But I think the general point I wanted to make was we kind of called this some of the outlying counties, you're going to see positive double-digit increases. Some of the inner city or urban rings, I think you're going to see some negative numbers come in. But then I was just digging in Charlottesville, like Belmont. Belmont exploded in first quarter over the quarter. So where is going to matter? The number one is location. So I don't really want to get too much into it without the actual numbers in front of me because, you know, I don't want to get accused of making up stuff. No. But it's... it's. Um, I mean, you've been on top of it with the numbers on Real Talk with Keith Smith. Yeah. And they've come out earlier well, than cars released their reports. So to your point earlier... This is a local headline. To your point... Okay. To your point, um, we're going to take a look at it at high level on Friday... Um, uh, on all the jurisdictions. And I just want to kind of get in front of it because I think if it's not handled a certain way, it could scare the heck out of people, and it shouldn't. This was just a little bit of a blip. You're already seeing the last 7 to 14 days prices going up. I think a lot of Scott is just talking about, and maybe the 10-year the year Treasury is moving in the right direction. I don't know. But that's what we're going to see. Talk on Friday. But today what do you think, Scott? I like it, um, and I think that uh, local markets do matter. Uh, that is, uh, but from what I've been seeing, at least, uh, you know, definitely I talked back in in December about these trends happening and how uh, when rates were at seven percent, people were like, "Well, gosh, I just, you know, can't wait for things to be lower." About going, no, you don't, especially if you're a buyer. Um, that, and now we're seeing that reality come to fruition and we're seeing more of it the lower things get uh the more competitive it's going to be because i really believe that we're going to have to get sticking in the mid to upper fives before we can see some of that uh the seller who doesn't have to be a seller go, that's me why do i have to move away from this three percent interest rate um why not why half but wh why would i move from this three percent rate uh into a, a six or seven they, the, the mid fives, you can kind of you can go. Okay, well, if I can take this equity, I can put this down. I'm only, I'm going up two hundred dollars a month. I'm going up trade the stacks for two points. Yeah, you can, <laughs> that's what he's saying. You can you. I don't know about two points. That's probably. I mean, I'm at the, the two money seven that you, five. The yeah. money that unless you, you have yeah, to move, you're not going anywhere. And 
and to Dr. Lee's sister. Well, I mean, Scott, we, if, this is a conversation my wife and I have literally on a weekly basis. It's like massive equity versus 275 trading that rate. I mean, it, that's, that's the conversation. We have this once a week, at least, my wife and I. So if you, if you read some of the good doctor's uh, writings, Dr. Lisa Sturvin, who's the head economist for Bright, um, former head economist for Virginia Realtors out there. Did I say that right? Yeah, you did. Look Very well done. Look at that. Huh? Keith, you're doing a great job today. <laughs> thank, thank great you. job thank today, you, Keith. Thank you. Thank you. You want to follow me around? <laughs> great job today, Keith. <laughs> I don't think I can afford you. Is that a new around. haircut? <laughs> I like that. <laughs> That's a new I don't haircut. think you can afford me. I always wanted, I always wanted like, the, uh, <laughs> like the... I need a lot of partners. <laughs> I can't afford you. I can't afford you to do that. I always wanted like the music followed I try around to get like, Yona to do like it. Shaft. That would be awesome. That would be awesome. One of these days, I want to see Scott Morris walking down the downtown mall with the boombox on his shoulder. Hey, I, I, well, I, that's like 80s. Dancing kind of down the mall. The 80s I stuff. could see Scott doing that right there. But, you know, the good doctor was saying, and, and we've been talking about this for a while, that, you know, the premise of our article was like, that 3% wasn't a good thing. It's hurting everything. It's hurting the inventory. It's helping the people that got it to stay in it. But if you have a life change scenario that you have to move for whatever reason, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a struggle on that. But the reality, the reality of it is um, inventory isn't getting better. We're not building it our way out of this. We're not even getting close to building a way out of it. And inventory is just going to stay anemic for quite a while. And you're going to see, I still stick to my prediction, by the end of this year, you're going to see low single-digit across-the-board uh, appreciation. You'll see some spots that will be a little bit lower, but all, all the way across the board, when we get to the end of this year and run our year-end numbers, I think you're going to, you're going to see that. And Michael Mayhew, hello. He's giving you props. Mule, what's up, baby? Um, so I will say this, that I've put a lot of thought into uh, – the escalating value and kind of where it stops and how it stops. Um, I don't think that single-digit appreciation uh, is necessarily on the horizon. I think I think we are very much into, uh, and at some price points, a future of haves and have-nots. I think they're they're and that's that's it. It's a very scary prospect. What's that of, mean? It means if we don't, we can't build our way out of this. There's not enough new construction to get this done. Um, and as rates continue to decline, the people who were, th- there's, there's going to be a bunch of people who were threes or three and a half or four that won't qualify um, to move from those properties uh, at a higher rate. So those properties can't come on market unless they become renters. Um, that as or they move out of the area, or they or they have to move out of the area, and they're renters in their new area, most likely. You know, hypothetically. Um, and then there is the that's interesting. That's an interesting phenomenon. And he's then, basically saying the folks that got a really good deal, maybe right before COVID or early COVID, the homes appreciated considerably. They locked in a really good rate. Now they want to climb up the ladder, and they realize that they potentially cannot achieve what they thought they could. I disagree a little bit with that because Yona and I haven't the same. And he's account. saying that because of the cost of the debt service each I'm month being so exponentially more, considerably more than what teachers, they locked in. Teachers, nurses, firefighters, your people who look, they're, yeah, that they're, I agree with. Yeah, yeah, that I agree. That I'm saying, I I'm, all right, they're, they, they are on a salaried income that yeah. is, yeah. you know, they're, they're going to yeah. get a 5% increase each year, et cetera, whatever. Um, that they're going to be limited 
even as rates come down compared to where they are. Because the values the, went up. And, and the ability to move forward. So you're chasing, an, you're right chasing an ever-increasing value. Your income isn't increasing to make up the difference. Did you, Alex Serpy was on I Love Siebel show yesterday. He had this statistic. Um, the average salary year over year for an American, 4300 less just because of inflationary pressure. Well, let's look. So look he did absolutely nothing different. Work so, the same hours, 4,300 less. So ten, I'm surprised. I thought so that number would be 10, higher. 10, 15 years ago, um, what was the, uh, the, stand, like the standard uh, kind of like uh, wage increase year over year? The 3% is kind of what was it, you know? Industry what, standard for industry. a raise increase if you're working at any company in America is 3% year over year. Okay. So think 3% about percent raise. The reason which that was, that 3% existed CPI because it matched inflation. So you aren't, you're never really getting a raise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you're, you're, you're being told that we're not going to pay you less than it costs to live in this current environment. So for business owners and everybody who's been going through the past year, what does that mean? Does that mean that in, in these years that your employees are getting 7 and 8% raises? Most of the time, not. But in order for them to keep up with what we're seeing as far as in housing affordability and all these things, that's what I'm talking about, is the dynamic of uh, your, your salaried individual, um, community service worker, provider, hero, however you want to want to call it, um, being able to continue to climb the housing ladder in the, in the existing market. Yeah. So it's good stuff. So everybody knows I, I spent a fair amount of my volunteer time on that very subject. And at the end of the day, and, and I believe it was either Michael Payne or Lloyd who said this a couple of Fridays, or I think it was last Friday, you know, without substantial subsidy, it's just not going to happen, right? You're going to need substantial stu- subsidy to kind of get in there because the, either by paying the cops and firemen and the teachers. Down or, payment support. Or, we were talking about that yesterday. Help them with the down payment assistance. Say it down so um, let's say that right, let's say I I've think got down payments is not even close. Let's say I've got an option for that. This this is less to so you know one of the goals is getting the non homeowner into home ownership for a structured uh, you know not not wildly increasing like you you don't have to say it's not like uh, with this rental market where it became well that was the old price this is the new price. Uh, they're fixed, they own something, they're building equity. Um, getting those people in the game is one thing. What I'm saying is that for those that uh, are have, have got bought in, have purchased something, are building some equity, that uh, the, the likelihood of, we've already seen that the number of years that they're in a home is extended. It's longer. Um, it used to be seven, now closer to 10. And I think that through the mechanics of what we've seen put people in homes um, over the past three years, that there's a very large likelihood that a lot of that inventory um, becomes trapped for longer due to... Uh, Increasing debt service costs. Debt service costs and then being able to take the next step. Now, now, will you see some people... No, there's, you know, this is America. They're going to accrue... Some, some of these people will accrue debts and they may be able to... Uh, cash out and stay in their home. And when I say cash out, I mean take a line of credit and pay off some of their existing debts and then be forced into a higher mortgage. And that may give them some options moving forward depending on where their income goes in the future. But Mm. I think that uh, there's definitely... I think there's definitely a bit of a... There's going to be a challenge in future years 
from what we went through previously. We got people who couldn't qualify at a certain level in the homes that they won't be able to then step out of and qualify at a higher level. Do you see what he's saying? He's basically saying the folks that bought a house and say two or three years ago when the interest rates were like two and a half, three percent, and the values of the real estate were thirty percent less, they now have this expectation of a five thousand square foot brick Georgian with four or five bedrooms and four and a half baths on a half acre with a backyard. And that expectation might not be reality today because the home values and the interest rates are a lot more. And that's going to force folks that own that property, that bought that kind of real estate a few years ago, to stay stickier in their house, which is going to impact the inventory scenario even more. Because these people realize that they got a hell of a deal two or three years ago, and now those hell of a deals ain't around as, as much anymore. That's what the dude's saying right there. That is what I'm saying. Yeah. That's a phenomenon that we don't talk I'm talking about. about that's a real phenomenon. I'm talking to the inventory challenge. I'm that's to keep it up the with the Joneses phenomenon. So, Which will, in turn, push valuations continuously higher. higher. 100%. Yes. And, so and why it will that's push That's what I'm talking about in a, in a land of the haves and the have-nots. That's a damn good uh, talking point for a talk show right there. And, and why we'll put valuations higher is because it further throttles inventory. Limiting supply at the same demand means price point goes up. That's what you're saying. That's exactly what I'm saying. And, according to NAR, last year, 39% of all the buyers were boomers. That's a 29% increase year over year. And you guys got that sack of money. Which, then again, pushes that first tier. So so let's talk about that, because I know those numbers very specifically. Just another example of boomers punching down on the rest of society. Boomers. (laughs) I know, we suck. Boomers. We suck. Boomers. You boys both got to be careful because that's the number one demographic now for both your businesses over there is boomers. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. We're up 33%. Boomers. We're up 33%. You guys love boomers. We're up 33%. That's all I know. So quarter over quarter. So I can add, I can add numbers to what Scott's talking about. So Lake Monticello, cheapest home available right now is 325 I know for a fact in order to hit 80% AMI on a purchase, you cannot exceed $225,000 in purchase price. You cannot exceed that. And I know that because we did 23 of them last year. Can't so. even buy in the villas at Southern Ridge for that. Can't even buy for that. So back to the sub- subsidy end of it, we're 100 k short. So somebody is going to have to come up. Either the prices are going to come down, which I don't think anybody at this table thinks that's ever going to happen no. in the near future. No. Or, or for a very long period of time, if ever. So who's going to come up with that 100 grand shortfall? Right? So either they're going to gift from family or they're going to end up you know instead of 30 percent of their their salary 50, go, 60 it's 50 60 70 percent and that, that becomes a whole loan to value that's terrifying debt to income ratio and all that kind of great stuff so to your point that's going to move on but they're, they're rolling off of the shelf right they're, they're the minimum days on market excuse me the the medium days on market lake monticello is 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 back in the single digits so let me ask you this question, and this is a hypothetical question, and this might even involve Judah in this question too. So, when does the I believe that was a heads up young that was a heads up? <laughs> yeah, thank you. Kim. You picked that. You pick up on I'm that. I'm thinking about that. Was a heads Judah, up. did you? How many long we've we been entering into time. our fourth year? Up. As you helped me with my math the other day. If you're a young millennial or you're a Gen Zer and you're seeing everything like you just depicted, and I think a lot of people are, Scott, when do you become so demoralized that there's some kind of revolt? against the system that's in front of them. I'm not having this conversation. Because that is unattainable for a lot of folks. If you're a Gen Zer that's a a teacher or a nurse 
or a police officer, the likelihood of you being able to purchase some real estate is, how would you characterize percent? Impossible to say. Slim? I'd no. say slim. So, so let's, let's talk about this. So this is a- Locally per- slim? This is a perseverance thing. So it's interesting. So as everybody knows, I'm helping our daughter and son-in-law in Richmond, right? Yeah. They wanted to take a two-week timeout, and we, we kind of said no, and we're not, right? Two-week timeout, and your son-in-law is a very well-paid doctor. But they don't have cash. No, but he's got doctor loans. And they're competing- With cash. They're competing yeah. against folks- Back to this appraisal gap stuff, and back to different locations. We did a cash deal. I, I can't. I won't talk about where, but in a part of pretty good part of Albemarle County. On the end of it, we got uh, home inspection. We got septic inspection. We were making the the buy. Excuse me. The sellers agreed to do a full physical survey. We got a ton of contingencies. Did you have cash? Could be, right? In. A different parts, it's the opposite. We're competing against multiple offers. We've got to bring cash to the table to make up an appraisal gap, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. So the micro locations matter. Having trusted advisors matter on that, on that end of it. But um, they stayed in the game, and all of a sudden, because people are peeling off to take off for two weeks, we're getting really good shots at a couple of homes. We may not win, but we're now competing against two or three people instead of 30 people. I think a week from now, that two or three is going to go back to 30 because everybody who's took the timeout is going to come back in. So now's the time to really stay engaged. Well, if we see rates continue to come, we're going to, you're going to put more – people are going to be on and off the board. But I don't think that, I don't think it's going to help inventory. I still stick no, 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 by no. that. Not, I think we've got a long way to go to get there. I do not think reduce, reduction of rate is what going to help. I think the Jerry's going to be right at that advantageous thing for someone is is – so we've seen a lot with rates – with rates higher, even as they begin to decline, uh, with valuations up and rates higher, we've seen a bulk of investors come off of the board unless it's an off-market property. So if we can find more properties that have deferred maintenance, that have some condition issues, that allow somebody to get in at a discount, but higher than what an investor wants to pay because they're not getting it for free, um, and free is, you know, Free, yeah, um, that allows them to get in, get the repairs done, and have a house that they could uh, live in and be closer to what that dream is. I think that really, I think if that option is explored more for the first time buyer, for the person who's trying to transition from one property to another, um, that that puts more people in homes uh, with better options than, uh, than anything else. So the secret sauce to that that needs to get out that most buyers will freak out about because what they're worried about, well, if I buy a house for a dollar, I put $2 into it. Now it's worth $3. Am I now overvalued for the market? And this appraisal conversation was important to have to make sure that the buyer understands that you're not going to move forward unless the as-is or the, the, or the as-built is good for the market at that given moment, correct? Correct. So that's That's important. what the point Brian Green's making. Brian Green, I believe you are Crozet. Is it Old Trail? Let us know. Um, he says, and to Scott's point, the homes that are now 30% more expensive than a couple years ago are also a couple years older and may have and most likely have even more deferred maintenance. That's a great comment because, you know... Find someone, and, and if you're going to look for someone... Interstate Service Company, a home's best friend. There you go. But finding someone that can 
rehabilitate or remodel a home right now, you're months behind. Well, let's just, and, and that's an absolute perfect thing to do. Interstate service company to help you with that. But let's talk about something just about HVAC, this three-year difference, right? We are actually working on a couple of uh, listing transactions that we have going on that the, uh, the average life expectancy of a heating and air unit is 10 years, right? That's the average, right? So if, if you were like at eight years, three years ago, now you're over, and I'm now starting to see agents, because they should be doing this, actually look at the serial number. There's a date on it when the unit was produced. So it, it could take very few, a few minutes to determine how old the system is. You don't need an engineer or an HVAC person to do that. You just got to be able to read a number. Yes, but there's nothing that I find more irritating than a home inspector who, who, who I'm rattles, before we get who rattles the a customer by, by saying uh, the, the HVAC is at the end of its life expectancy. Yeah. Uh, you, you're probably going to have to replace this tomorrow. It's like, is it working, bro? Because I've got one at my house that's 20 years old. And like, so mine are 20 and because we service them twice a year and they last longer, but technically that's an, and the inspector has to do that. It's the part of their licensing. And there's, there's, there's ways how, that, how you how do they it, go about it. Makes a difference. I agree. I, I'm, we can get into this debate offline at some time. I, I am, uh, I hate, I mean, I think we could have a therapy group with every agent in car about, um, home inspectors managing expectations the right way. No, it's worse than that. When it comes to their clients. It's worse than that. Because some spook them, and they don't need to. It's worse than that. It's the way the home inspection addendum is written is actually the, the, that needs to get fixed, but that's a soapbox. Why? Me. Because that spooks the customer? Well, it gives, the, it gives the, the, the buyer the ultimate right to get out for any reason, and it specifically talks on the front end of it that the only things that should be inspected are material defects and to scott's point if it's working it cannot be you it you know it cannot be if it's functioning it can be utilized as leverage in the deal but then there's a sign at the a, lot, a sentence at the end of it but the buyer at their sole discretion can terminate for any reason so it's become a real problem and someday we'll do a a debate with Donna and a bunch of other folks about love you, Donna Patton. If you're watching Donna Patton, let us know. Neil Williamson, I'll get to this question here shortly. First, Jason Howard, if you can't trade up, he's the king of Rio for Scott and, and, and Keith. If you can't trade up due to a low rate, where does that money go instead of the new house's higher mortgage? Upgrades to the existing home, spending on restaurants or other experiences, saving a larger down payment for when you finally can qualify for the next rung on the housing ladder? That's a great question. So you and I are in that That's same a great boat. question. Well, let's got tackle it first. So one more time. He's, I- he's saying if you can't trade up because the debt service is that expensive, and check out the, oh, excellent work, Judah, because the debt service is more expensive. Um, where does that saving go? The folks that got the 2.75%, the 3%, that got the good deal on a home that's 30% less of where the market is now, three points lower than where the market is now, does that additional income find its way into the local economy? If so, how? Does it go into investment property, money on Main Street with coffee shops and restaurants? Where does it go? I mean, the guess that depends on uh, your individual person or family uh, and how they, they have their expenses set up. Certainly, there will be people who retire at earlier years than others, and there's people who like having, uh, you know, all the things all the time. I think that's too broad of a, uh, a brush to paint with for each as an individual. I'm just I'm talking about as a, 
across the board. There's, I, I think there is a select, there's a, a group of those people who are always going to be challenged based on fixed income. There will be people who also, uh, the, the, the police and fire who in their spare time run a construction business. Like they, they're where they're, there's income outside of the norm. Uh, certainly for every one of those, uh, there's probably three or four that don't do that. So that goes, you know, it, oh. I don't know how I answer that question. As the son of a New York City fireman, my father always had three or four jobs, and that's what you needed to do because you sure as hell weren't doing it for the salary on that end of it. It's interesting, um, you know, and, and this may be this 39% boomer thing going on, but Yon and I are having the same conversation. A property uh, around the corner for us went under contract for $700,000, and we're putting an apartment in our basement, and we were having this exact debate yesterday, actually. Should we spend the extra 150000 I don't think you should. Well, then there's... I don't think you should. I understand that. So if I, to Scott's point, if I'm looking at it from dollars and stuff Granted, like that. I'm just a guy that sits across from you for a talk show and should have absolutely no say. And obviously I have no say so of what you do with your personal residence. I'm sorry I interjected my opinion in that fashion. I apologize sincerely. Wow. But the reason, the hold reason it, I hold did. It, hold it. That's a, this is a real. Sorry. Mark that down. That is a, this is a real. The only reason I did is. <laughs> no, no, no. Stop. Mark the, that, the only reason I did it, is because it you is, brought it up before. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm writing this down. Jerry said. I'm sorry. 1055. Well, give it 1054, Judah. The time is different. Here it doesn't go by the clock. It doesn't go by the clock. It doesn't go by the clock in your mind. But yeah. it's a rough estimate. 3650. 3650. 36. There we go. <laughs> Judah wickhauer has been waiting 12 years for that sizzle reel. And, right I, and I want that emailed to me, and I'm going to play it every couple, oh, of, couple of minutes. Thank you. Do, the only reason I interjected was I'm because you you brought it up in the past, yeah. the $150,000 basement apartment. Yeah, so to your point, prior to that 700000 I was thinking you were, ah. Am I pricing myself out? That's was, what you were thinking. Yeah, yeah, but now I'm not. Oh, no, the comp down the street justifies the 150 in the basement. But as Scott knows, because he knows my family very well. What, if, this, my, if your parents move into the house with you? That, well, this is a real thing. Oh, I know it is. So this I decision is. is not necessarily... A fiscal one, no. right? Now we're very blessed to be able to do this. Absolutely, but this is a fiscal thing. But you also got to think about it because prior to that sale, I was like, "Oh man, do I really want to do this?" Now it's a different story, right? It's it's a different story. And we the scenario would be his parents sell in the lake. They also live at Lake Monticello and move into a hundred and fifty thousand dollars super deluxe in law suite basement apartment. Where they wouldn't have to see Keith and his tidy whities every single day. Oh, I'm supposed to wear tidy whities? <laughs> I don't want to know. I don't want to know. No. So, so, I mean, so, so let, me, let me finish this. As my mother refers to Tina know. refers to it, you're not freaking sticking me in the basement, are you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Mom. I love you, in the basement. <laughs> so, I mean, when you look at the lake in general, so. $700,000. Can you believe that? Did, well, don't. I mean, six years ago, six years ago, um, if you were a super nice new build on the water, you were six hundred k. There you go. And now those same houses are selling for a million dollars. Yep. So we we've had a home trade on the water over a million this year at the lake. Yep. I know, which to me is you know bonkers. Bonkers. No, that's because we've been there. It's because I grew up there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, uh, yeah. You know. He's not throwing shade. It's just because he grew up there. Yeah, I'm throwing a little bit of shade. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but the point, the point that I'm trying to help you. I'm just like 
fab- I just I'm you're flabbergasted about your statement. I, I can't get it past my my little brain. Thank yeah. you so much. Flabbergasted doing that, and and I almost wore that short today. So the how about this from Kevin? Kevin often often the Baron, and Kevin we 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 kid because we care, and we certainly appreciate your viewership. He says, where does it stop? He says a quarter acre is going to be near in a million dollars in the city or the county. So he's where does it stop? Is he's, what he's saying. spot on to the conversation Yona and I had he yesterday. Said every nine hundred square foot home in the city on a quarter acre cannot be a million dollars. Where does it stop? Um, it when does it stops stop? when the market no longer supports it. It stops when people stop buying it. No, I get that. Yeah, but yeah. when well, does he, that I'm stop? Answer, I'm a, yeah, no. But when does that happen? Yvonne, so, when does that happen? Are the, where are the mechanics uh, for the ceiling? So when I t- and how much inventory continues to exist. So more inventory stops it. Um, you're not going to get more inventory on the land, and then upzoning in the city is only going to uh, all these density things. I, you know, I know they, they're they're saying that uh, they're doing it to make things more affordable. And my opinion is, you're going to make units more affordable. You're not going to make the the land more affordable. Dude, 100. percent You are it's so obvious. Yeah, yeah. You are, and because the land is going to because the land has an opportunity with upzoning. The land's going to be more expensive. So the person that buys the land has a higher debt service clip or a more expensive barrier of entry. So because they have a higher barrier of entry or more expensive debt service, they have to do something that drives profit to cover that debt service, which is going to make whatever they create more expensive. And you might want to... This is so obvious. <laughs> is I, this not so obvious? I got the Captain Scott? Obvious side. I mean, I'm not very smart. This is so obvious. So you might want to tease uh, the Friday after... After um, Easter. And then the crappy part about it is, oh, is you're just going to have... I know, this This is the he's kind going. of stuff that pisses me off. <laughs> this pisses me off. The crappy part about so, this hey, Judah, is, how you doing? you're just going to have a bunch of more folks here yeah. that can afford the more expensive things. And so it's let, just going to be busier and more crowded. Hit the air brakes. Don't you think? Um, yeah, but so the one thing that I think that the one thing that Charlottesville isn't seeing uh, will be... Uh, uh, constraint, or there'll be uh, there'll be more winner, or there'll be fewer winners and more losers in the uh, in the restaurant mecca that we have here. No oh, doubt, because yeah. um, there's not going to be any labor. Yeah. No one's going to be able to afford to work, live here, and so you're going to you'll you'll see that, or or you'll see more food trucks. That'll be uh, that'll be kind of a piece of the puzzle there. So you'll see instead of like uh, the the downtown mall and a lot of these areas being uh, uh, stationed with uh, lots of really good little restaurants. It's going to be a few that are expensive. It's going to be a few that are expensive, uh, and then the the others will get pushed to food trucks. And you know, the, I mean, and you look at other thousand percent ag- percent agree with what he's so, saying. So I can add to that. Look I'm at other metropolitan. Go, go look at other areas and. Decide if that's what you're really trying to model yourself. Been after. saying this that, for years. Exactly this, right here. So I can add a little bit to that. I, I can't give specific names, but there's a local business owner that operates, has a shop here that wants to buy. He wants to own instead of paying rent. In 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 here, he has businesses all over all over the state. And he talked to me yesterday. He goes, "Tell me how a pizza store, a pizza shop, can afford these rents that you can't sell." You just have- uh, well, let's talk about that. How does how does uh. a pizza shop in in uh, in Manhattan afford it? Uh, you know, in two three million, like because if there's enough, if you got enough people, 
here's the problem. If you got enough people coming in and out, you can sell you can sell a slice of pie for three dollars a piece, and you can sell you can have people lined up at the door. But if you don't have people lined up at the door, then you got a problem. And what we're doing is we're pushing people further and further away. They're going to have to commute. So we're into, back to the houses now. To, they're going to have to pieces. commute into exactly that. We're going to have to commute into these areas, and they're going to. There's nobody. Li- you don't have the population to line up at the door. So that's why. When we get to Friday, Green County's quarter over quarter price increase is 17%. Fulvana County's quarter over quarter is 10%. And downtown Charlottesville is in a negative on it. So back to the, the, the pizza guy, um, he was 100% right. He was like, you have to sell so many pizzas, have so many people come through. Look, I've said this before. I uh, Dave Norris uh, is coming on, uh, not this Friday, but next Friday. Yeah, I thought it was going to be healthy. I'm going to go get some pizza for lunch. Pizza sounds great. Pizza sounds great. Vita Nova right over there. Have you had it? Right around the corner I, from the I studio? Have. It's fantastic. Father Sun Shop, A+. So I just talked to Judah. Fabio's <laughs> is good. Dave Norris. Dave Norris. Dave Norris. We're listening to Dave Norris. Look, I'm really trying to manage my ADD here. You're doing a great job. How about this one from Spencer? I grew up in the Belmont Hogwaller area. Houses, when I was growing up, were selling for under $100,000. Now, to your point, those same houses are trading for $750,000, $850,000, in some cases $900,000. When I was growing up, my neighborhood was an area you didn't want to walk after dark unless you knew the folks that lived there. Now I walk around Belmont, and all I see is folks going to restaurants at $200 and $300 tabs. It's changed quite a bit. So back to... I used to live on Little Graves in Belmont, and 208 Little Graves behind Spud Nuts, now Quality Pie. The house, I was the first house on the left. Me and three buddies could barely afford to live here. I've told the story before. One of our four buddies had a rope ladder to the attic, and we, he charged like 170 bucks. We charged him to rent there. So we could, cha- we could shave provide 180 the bucks. That way, six of the other three of us got 60 bucks off. Did you provide the rope? It was No, he did. He did it all. <laughs> created it all himself. Um, the house all the way down the street from us had this shed at the end of Little Graves. This was old school Belmont as it was trans- transitioning. And the shed was this like three-generation family there. They had a pool table in the shed and a fridge full of Budweiser. And they were doing some sketchy stuff because I was there from time to time in that shed. That shed in that house now is like an eight hundred and fifty thousand dollar home. Well, the next door to where, you, so the right above Spud Nuts, that uh-huh. was the first house to sell for over a million dollars four years ago. In Belmont. In Belmont. Unbelievable. You're talking a working class neighborhood. Twenty years ago, literally a working class neighborhood. Twenty years ago, now million dollar homes is marketed to be. You can be close to the downtown mall and the restaurants and come come spend come spend the monies. And that's Yancey's point. So a quarter back, acre in the city is a million. So back to Keith and Yona, right? Right. That's where I if I'm gonna move somewhere, that's where I'm gonna move. You wanna right? go to Belmont? I want to I want I want to downsize, not upsize. Right? I want something smaller. I want to be able to walk to, to wherever because that's what I want to do. Um, and, you know, if we sell our home and if we end up with a substantial amount of cash reserve, I'm in a better position to buy than the first-time home buyer. But back to this, um, as you refer to it, upzoning, I call it uh, the zoning rewrite. Uh, look, I, I do not think 
and time will tell if I'm wrong, and I'll bet somebody maybe a mustache. Well, you're winning the Neil Williamson bet. I, he's watching. I, I, think, I think I may. And John Snow says the best Boston Central Virginia is on the set right now. John Snow literally says, tell your viewers and listeners that Scott Morris is a great Boston friend. Thank and you. He, and he cares about people. I do like people. People are very nice. And John, John, people. I'm glad you're on the team. And, uh, you know, if you're a LO and you want a, a different work experience or environment, <laughs> i got a place for you to come uh, have a conversation. And yeah. I want to give props Good to my look. man, John Snow, um, running marathons and races and posting gains Crushing in the gym. It. Posting gains in the gym and absolutely closing deals as a loan officer. John Snow, you got the kind of uh, energy that I like to be around, my friend. I find it contagious. I'm up. My, You're up. Yeah, I'm up. Yeah. I want to give props to my boy John. Yeah, Scott. no, J- John's a rock star. Um, the thing is, is we will I'll, this rezoning, upzoning, whatever you want to call it. It is not going to increase the volume in great numbers anytime soon, if at all. And you've explained that to the folks. And you are not going to see, and and you're not going to see fifty thousand all of a sudden multiply by two, three, or four. You know, if we over time see, you know, below 5,000 units, you know, which is a substantial number, but it's just not going to move the needle needle forward. And to Michael Payne's point, you can't build, you could build yourself out, way out of that, but you'd have to build so many. It's a subsidy. It's this $100,000 difference that uh, you need today. And as interest rates drop down, that number can go up a little bit. Right, that 225 can maybe go closer to 250 as rates drop down. But I can tell you, you know, just to make those 23, this is a stat that blew my mind. We had to go between 10 to 15 buyers just to produce one, right? Just to cross the line to make it work because of credit history and so forth and so on to get in. So it's going to be a heavy lift to go ahead and hit that. I do have a question for Scott, though. Oh, go ahead. That question was asked yesterday of an agent for me, of me, and I wanted to throw it your way. So we're back to these home inspections being waived, right? That's, and it's and it's block to block, house to house, location location. Sometimes they're doing it, sometimes they're not. But on an FHA and a VA loan, talk about what the appraisal differences is on the is with that, and does the buyer get a little protection? from that if there's something substantially wrong with the home. Does that question make sense? So I waived a home inspection, mm-hmm. but I'm doing an FHA at VA. The home inspector, excuse me, the appraiser also does a safety inspection, correct? Correct. So. Yes. Uh, so well, correct, they're, they're looking for educating. items that they could consider unsafe. So uh, peeling paint, loose deck boards, uh, exposed wiring, broken windows, uh, uh, items that could be related to safety um, or condition to a certain extent. Very, so they walk in minimal. and there's black mold on the wall or something like that. Black mold on the wall Interstate would, service company. would probably, Interstate service company. Would probably uh, <laughs> result in them uh, requesting that a uh, someone... 
licensed, not of their uh, level, come take a look at it. Sure. Uh, most of these items will. They could say that we believe that the the roof is leaking or there was a leak there at one point. Uh, so this is the, the appraiser saying? The appraiser saying, because the appraiser is protecting uh, the value of for the bank that is lending on it, saying, you know, you know, they're there to, to, to say, you know, this home, assuming that this is not a live leak, given the age of what the roof appears, a roofer should come out and look at the condition and say that everything's okay. Um, and if the roofer says no, what happens next? Uh, then they're going to say that so, this house is worth X value subject to this repair taking place. So then that the reason I'm bringing it up is is I'm wondering what impact that does on the seller, right? So uh, the, the veteran, I know for sure, has the right to terminate the contract at that point. Is that correct? Correct. Right. Um, is it the same with the FHA? Well, for for the FHA, the, let's say that's not a, a right to terminate, but the, the lending and you, you, you just won't get the money. Yeah, right? yeah. Therefore, the the, uh, the finance the, contingency, the finance contingency kick in kicks in. And, and protect Thank you for clarifying that. The reason I brought it up because it, it was explained to me that some agents or some folks are using that as a kind of a backstop around home inspections, and I'm not so sure. I, that either makes sense or does it make sense? I mean, so in in theory, so the the appraisal report is what five pages long. You're not going to get uh, what the same quality for the. I, and my belief is that they should always at least get a uh, for informational purposes only get a booklet that shows where your water turnoff is, where all of these things are, um, so that you know in that moment of crisis. You can, you know, when your your water heater starts leaking and you're going, where did I put this booklet that's got where the water shot off is? Because they don't remember. Yeah, there's the things that people aren't going to remember. Um, and it's nice to have that to refer to um, and then go be able to, you know, go through and see what a lot of the So, so like. you're getting on my soapbox because I hate the term for informational purposes only. If you do not cross out the right of the buyer to... to terminate the contract then it is a pass or fail so if you truly so we're bidding when we're helping people and in bidding for informational purposes only i put in other terms this is for the informational purposes of the client only we do not wish to use it to terminate we cross out all that kind of stuff on it to your expense to your point is it's i'm an just talking about an education for yeah, a home yeah, yeah, yeah. oh totally totally well, I am not here to say that I am uh, I, I just the, I, the agent write a contract. I just that question kind of put me on my heels a little bit, and I thought I'd ask you of it. I just wasn't I exactly mean, sure how I to mean, respond it, to it. In theory, uh, it's 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 not a bad thing. Do I think it gives enough information to the client? No, but does it still? Is there an existing out there? Yes. Do I think? But then we get into this whole uh, bias of. Uh, financing bias by listing agents saying I don't want to accept that offer if this what everybody out there is doing. That's exactly right. So that's you know. exactly right. But like that my that my number one question when that when I even suss that out. So one of the things that I like to uh, instill in all my uh, partners and clients is that I am going to call the listing agent agent upon you making an offer and talk about strength of buyer and all of the reasons that you are number one. Um, but if that goes I, a long if way, I for for a second kind of have the inclination that they go, oh, well, this is VA, and I feel that there's, like, them poo-pooing that all. Well, what, what about the appraisal? Are there things that you're not telling us about the house 
And the number one answer, oh, no, of course not. Then what are you worried about? Yeah, so what you're referring uh, and, to. And if this is escalated up, I've got the ability to go around the appraiser, go to the VA, and talk about why this property is unique and special along with comps that I'm assuming that you're going to be able to provide me, being that you know that it's worth this much money, and and, and get a reconsideration of value outside of just what the appraiser is coming up with. Nice. As vets and as disabled vets. And that's why you guys want to work that. with a guy like Scott. I hate that. I absolutely hate you that. You go to the bat. That's what he's saying. 100%. That's why you want to work with a guy like Scott. Um, here's a very interesting comment. Uh, Grayson, I appreciate you commenting on the show often. And he, he does more on... Grayson, why are you doing more on Real Talk than the I Love Seagull show? Just throwing that out there, Grayson. He says this. Probably you guys, lunch. You guys often talk about the difficulties for first-time homebuyers, but why shouldn't the narrative also be those of us that are homeowners are appreciating more equity and have a better opportunity to retire like we want? He's basically saying this is not a bad thing. So, yeah, you're right for some of you. But I think, again, I will repeat, that's like, that goes back to that, the question about where does all the other money go? And some, does it go back into the community, to coffee shops, to restaurants? Um, are people planning better for retirement? Uh, yes, yeah, some people are gaining more equity. Some people are taking are, – are, are, Going back into the equity of the home, either for repairs of the home, for credit uh, that they've uh, liabilities that they've grown over the years, some people are going to be able to to do that, and some people are not you, and and this is you know that's kind of a, a theme that we're going to continue to see, given that they're the people who don't gain that equity with the ability to retire, at least we'll have the option to use some of that money as a parachute to help get to get them out of credit problems as they come along with the rising interest rates that we're, we're going to see. But uh, I, I think you're going to see more of that in the short term than the long term. But not everybody is Grayson. Not you, everybody is a responsible, meticulous uh, retirement building machine. What do you make of that comment? So... Um, you know, that's a Captain Obvious thing, right? Because otherwise, you know, every, the, the, that is, you know, truth, uh, the truest thing that's ever been said on the show. But I want to go back to this 3% because, uh, and it took me a little while to register this, but we're actually helping a couple of sellers that are exactly having that same conversation where they're saying, um, hey, I'm at 3%. I got to sell, but I don't know. I'm afraid to buy. I don't know what to do. I actually created a spreadsheet that we're sitting down with folks at the at the at their kitchen table. I did one yesterday, and we're saying, "Okay, great, time out. Let's take a look at it. You bought the house five years ago; it's appreciated X amount of dollars. This is what you're looking at." We talked to Scott. This is, you know, if you bring this amount of money down to that, where are you ending up with the dollar? What you're paying per month? And a couple of them a little high, a couple of them a little low. But there is some math scenarios there where you walk away with enough. Uh, capital from the sale of your home, assuming you've been there long enough, right? If you've bought in the last 12 to 24 months, that's not going to happen. But if you've bought before that and you have a little bit of equity and you can bring more cash to the table to buy, and depending what your loan amount is, it might be pretty close and being willing to take that step. And we've actually done that with a couple of folks, and they've made that step to, okay, what, now we're going to put the house on the market and let's go find something. Because you know, it was a, a, a very low percentage difference on their monthly payment. 
because they brought so much cash to the table. So I know uh, th this is a math formula that you have to figure out. This is why you need trusted advisors. Pull down the tab at Keith Smith. Real talk with KeithSmith.com. Pull down the tab and do that. You, you, you're staring at, at the, at the uh, feed, so that means there's a question there. Uh, the comments, people just appreciate the discussion. Cool. And uh, multiple folks are somewhat dispirited and saying it's never going to stop here. Yeah, uh, that was a conversation Yona and I had yesterday. I mean, I mean, this is just this is business. We were like, okay, you know, if we're going to put 150 grand in, is the 700 the cap in my neighborhood, or is it going to be 710, 720? You know, what what's what's going to happen? So, I think for the but for, we're paying down our principal so rapidly, it doesn't with, matter with the basement, the improved, the larger lot that continues to see yeah, uh, exponential growth and yeah. all of the original uh, uh, ranchers that came in in the 19 early 1980s those have uh, those have a limited amount of growth as far as but you're seeing uh, a lot of renovation work on though a lot of extensions put on care. a lot of growth and growth in it to Scott's point I my neighborhoods that, I think the improvements there are going to be less there's less appreciation value to those properties than the, the larger home that people, that's what people want. I think the dollar amount would be higher in the smaller homes. I think my dollar amount will be less. I find it hard. Why do you to, think that? Because of the, the number. I just don't, I just, to, to Scott's point, I'm in a bit of a unique neighborhood, right? I got one acre, I've actually got two acres inside of Lake Monticello. Um, um, the story behind that was that's where all the spoils from the subdivision went, and I couldn't build it, let anybody else build a house on it, so I built it for myself. <laughs> literally, literally, that's was what that what uses the junkyard? Well, the spoils when you start stripping the root oh, mat gotcha. off and all gotcha. that kind of great stuff, it needs to go somewhere. Because he developed the acres, guys. For those that don't know, and so Lake it's, Monticello, it's, it's a my neighborhood life. of Lake Monticello. A little bit of lesson I learned on that, by the way. I uh, had I thought I was smart. I had to survey or shoot the existing grade before we put it on there. But he inverted his numbers, and I thought it was eight foot. I go, this is perfect. I can build a thing. It was freaking eighteen foot difference. So my house huh. is sitting on top of nine feet of stone before I put the foundation on. So I think well, that's good, right? I hey, there's some really nice trees around your house. I know. I wonder like why. It was like a privacy area. It's I wonder got some why. Nice trees. You I got had, a great house. I had him. Uh, uh, we we. Got rented a spade, and he went ahead and moved trees. Just plucked trees all around. Scott, the, the for those lake. don't know, Scott used to work for Keith back in the day. When and they didn't die, which surprised the hell out of me. Builder and a developer, and but, they still talk to this day. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm starting not to. I'm learning what I paid him. And he didn't do. I'm starting to rethink this whole yeah, you know. talking. Talking. Hey, some of the stuff you paid me to do, I did two or three times. <laughs> But I paid you. Did two you volunteer, or did Keith tell you to do it? Oh, no, 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 All the above? no, no. What he's talking about is I. Had no, I know what he's talking about. I know what he's talking about. Um, we uh, we appreciate the comments that are coming in. The dynamic nature of the show. Why don't we give uh, our boy Scott uh, Morris a chance to close with Valissa Fox giving you props? Valissa, how are you? Um, so you know, uh, I, I've been ringing this bell. Uh, if it's challenging, just keep. Keep getting up. Keep going through it. Trust your team. Uh, I, it's not going to stop. Uh, there's not enough inventory to support uh, a less challenging environment. Uh, and as we kind of continue on this trajectory, a, a downward trend of rates, uh, we're going to 
we're going to put more people on the board and it'll continue to be competitive. Just know that uh, there's some options out there for you. And if you've got, uh, if you're in a situation where you're renting somewhere, we can explore uh, finding a property that has some conditions or some deferred maintenance possibilities where we can get a deal and get some work done with a renovation loan that can open up your Mm -hmm. options and give you some things that you might not get if you were searching for them brand new in the first place. Well said, Scott Morris, Ross Mortgage's finest, Keith Smith. To your point, as we've been sitting here, two went off of the new and went into pending. So new on the market went down by two, pending went up in two in an hour and some odd, some odd, some odd minutes. But, but to Scott's point, you know, persistence pays off and, and it will, you know, we, just to speak of our daughter, she texted me something as I was sitting here. She seriously wanted to take a look at a 650-square-foot house in, in Richmond that's on the market for 350 650 650 But She's, she's got come, a child. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, no. <laughs> so as a trusted advisor, a.k.a. father, yeah, no. We're going to keep on going. Keep on going. Keep on keeping on. Keep on keeping on. Keep on keeping on. Judah Wickower, Keith Smith. Scott Morris, my name is Jerry Miller. This is Real Talk with Keith Smith, presented by Ross Mortgage. Find Real Talk with Keith Smith online at realtalkwithkeithsmith.com. The I Love Seville show is up in approximately one hour. Friday, Friday, some numbers and maybe some bunny rabbit ears might be on set. Friday, the Easter bunny is coming. And well, the following Friday is Dave Norris. Uh, Dave Norris. And Sean Cooper. That's exactly right. Fantastic. Judah, thank you. We'll catch you guys in one hour. Take care.